Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. This Conscious Awesome show is called Giving and Receiving Criticism. It's an emotional intelligence exploration with your favorite hosts, Danny Katz, me, and Justin Polgar. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and to follow us at consciousawesome.locals.com, which is where the tribe meets, where we post our videos, host live streams, and all the special stuff happens. As well, head on over to yescacao.com to stock up on your favorite chocolate and track Danny's everything at dannycats.locals.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Conscious Awesome Podcast, our first video version. We are now coming in an extra dimension to you, our listener. Thank you for joining us. The Conscious Awesome Podcast is uh, a collaborative event by my co-host, Danny Katz, and myself, Justin Polgar, where we explore consciousness, where we look at tools and tips and lenses through which levity can assist us in penetrating the mystery. And, um, you know, Danny, you had said this to me right before we started, and I just want to anchor this in. I want to anchor it in. Love has already won. Yes. Yes, it has. Love has already won. That's a great space to sit from. Nothing to prove, nothing to conquer, but to concur with that. Love has already won. I think there's a power in the past tense. Conquer to concur just blew my mind. Did you just download that? Has that been I always I always download that. Um, (laughs) Guru Singh. Asterisk. Guru Singh. Love Guru Singh. Yes. And love has already won. Yes. Everyone knows it. Everyone who's worth listening to knows that already. Absolutely. Everyone who's speaking to our frequency of expansion and conscious awesome knows that love has already won and is speaking from the vibration of love's triumph. Which is so calming. Uh, Back to calm, (laughs) the theme for the day, year, apocalypse. Life. (laughs) Yeah. The theme for this apocalypse is calm. Stay calm. Um, And just in general and specifically, the more that we can be calm and know how to calm ourselves, yes, that that is going to be a a very important skill set to have, has always been, and even more so these days as the world gets louder and louder, we get calmer and calmer. 
Yeah, I feel like there used to be more leeway in not being calm because it was balanced out by other factors. And now given how the world seems to be rolling, I'm feeling more and more of a responsibility to hold the calm vibes. Yeah, there, there's an awareness that uh, if I want calm, I, I get to do that for myself. Totally. There's not an environment that's going to guarantee that for me. No, no, no. We have to be our own guarantee. Yeah, we have to carry it in. Yeah, it's a responsibility. Guess what? It's all of our responsibilities. Bring in the calm and love has already won. Let's get to the topic for today, which also is very pertinent, very poignant, and something that I, I love investigating as a, as a conscious awesome topic. And that is giving and receiving criticism. It makes me want to, as you say that, and I'm going to let you riff on the topic because I'm looking up, of course, the etymology of criticism. <laughs> Thank you. Uh -huh. Little critters everywhere. There's, a, there's an art to this. It's a skill set to be learned and to be practiced. And uh, it's, it's two skill sets that complement each other. The giving, I mean, to, to artfully be able to give criticism, like beyond the standard constructive criticism, just really to uplift the other person to show them that they are bigger than, the, than what they're projecting um, or what they're embodying. Well, I think that right there is, is so key in giving the criticism is being clear on why we're delivering it and that it's not to shame or blame or make someone feel weird, that it's a generous act that is being offered in service to helping the other person expand, be more effective, whatever it is. I think the less stickiness also we have around, or the less attachment we have around the other person receiving it, the more clearly, the less agenda it becomes. I've had people ask me, which is a beautiful piece of, that's a, that's a great piece there is to ask, um, can I give you some feedback on this or can I give you some criticism? Um, and if I'm not open to that from that specific person or in the headspace that I'm in in the moment, and I say, no, thank you. Like, thanks for, thanks, or maybe, maybe later. I'm not really ready for that right now. Right. Um, to be able, as the person giving the criticism, to be totally open to that and say, cool, just let me know if you're, whenever you're available for that. It goes a lot longer. That's inviting for me. That, it might be the next moment. Right. Well, and then, so it seems like step one is asking permission and asking if the person is in a space where they're available to receive. I find yeah, I think always, that's, you know, that's, what, that's one of the things with quantum languaging as well, to like always ask, are you open to some feedback on your languaging and to make sure that we have that before moving forward? Because sometimes we're just not in that place. Sometimes we're, you know, like, yeah, we're just not available to hear it. And then it's going to be a pearls before swine situation. And why bother? It's a valuing of the, of the advice, of the gems that you're offering, of the pearls that you're offering as well. Because if we only have that one opportunity to share that, we want it to be to a receptive audience. We want the person to be totally ready and available. And so, you know, Otherwise, that it's first like step, masturbatory. Like why? It was just to hear myself speak if the other person can't receive it. Like then what is going on here? What's the function of this communication? 
I've heard that um, coming through people, I mean, often, where there's a, I want to show you that I'm aware, that I'm conscious, that I'm, and, you know, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little contrived, you know, and nothing, it's a lot, <laughs> it's maybe the definition of contrived. Right. And uh, though I'll, I'll default to you for the definition of that, maybe the etymology <laughs> of, of contrived. Uh, that there's a there's just an art and a grace to giving criticism that really makes the difference in whether or not the person will receive it how and to what depth they're going to receive it and then to actually get the result that both parties are benefited through the reception right so So i feel like uh, there's a parallel between really key thing do you see a parallel between um being adept at giving criticism equates to being adept at receiving criticism? There's a correlation to that. There's a correlation. Because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a compassion piece for that. Because for me, I know when someone wants to offer criticism, it's not, it's not always easy. You know, it's sometimes it's a very awkward uh, offering. Sometimes it's an awkward, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. Because you're calling someone in, uh, you know, into their higher self, there's the there's the worry about rejection. Maybe maybe this person's gonna think I'm an asshole because I'm I'm saying this. That, you know, these things come up for me at yeah. least. Um, so the the having the compassion and understanding where the other pe- person's feet are situated, yeah, really does shift that. So when someone wants to offer me criticism. I, it's best for me to recognize that it's a brave act that they're offering. Right. And then for me to be, to bear witness to that because, uh, and I, you know, I love, I love how often my, my father-in-law Natan comes up in, in these conversations in this mm-hmm. podcast. I love that. Um, and he has that, that quote, um, or that song that he wrote from you, I receive to you, I give together we share. And from this, we live. Mm. And in that, it's a, resp- it's a shared responsibility. It's not 50% responsibility for the person offering the criticism and 50% responsibility for the person receiving it. It's 100% and 100%. Absolutely. It's, I mean, in all ways, two yeah. vowels, always. <laughs> yeah. So do you have I, um, any... Oh, go ahead. It, it was just an aside about how I, how I like to spell always these days. But we can... Well, I'm glad, go that, there in another podcast. I'm glad that that has legs because that is generally how I do always with the, the second L in parentheses. Um, do you capitalize the second L? No, I don't. I just do I'm, it to attune people to the fact that I'm speaking spatially and not only spatially and temporally, not just temporally. Right, which would be missing so much of the juice of the word. I mean, always. always ways are spatial. Um, so if we're talking about True. all the ways, we're talking about omnidirectional orientation. Which is, uh, which is a good, well, uh, let's, let's segue back into the, the criticism piece or, or the giving and receiving of it. Uh, there's, there are very few always, um, there are very few techniques for this that work in all of the ways. So we have to have a tool belt that's varied. 
Right, right. We have to, and we have to be present and we have to be able to read the situation and the person and the timing on a lot of different levels. We have to be nimble to know what's going to work. It can't be like, mm. this is my standard issue way of offering criticism. It's not, it's not going to work like that. Since uh, that comes up from NVC with nonviolent communication is the prescribed, this is, th these are the steps so that you can be a nonviolent communicator. Right. Though the intention behind the communication can still be violent. You know, it can still be, it's all intention. It's all what's coming right. behind the words. I've definitely experienced people wielding NVC violently, which is so funny. Like spiritual hypocrisy is so funny to me. It's like my favorite kind of hypocrisy to laugh at and reflect. Um, and I feel like with all of these rules, rules, you know, like, of course, nonviolent communication is amazing. It's had a phenomenal impact on my life, but I see it with NVC and I see it with quantum languaging and I see it with how I might normally give criticism is like rules are made to be broken. There's understanding where the rules come from and like laying the foundation. And then once we know that, then it's improvising and freestyling once we have those tools in the arsenal. Arsenal feels so yep. military. <laughs> well, they, you know, there, there's a place for all of these things. I mean, most of our language, language can be a little bit limiting in that we're using what we have and what we have has come often from cultures that have embraced, uh, that have been less peace centric, so to say. Right. I like that. Very good yep. framing. So you're the one, I believe, who suggested the criticism piece. I'm wondering, like, what inspired you? Did something, have you had a recent experience of giving or receiving that inspired this particular topic today? I just, I, I mean, being that we are living in the midst of a, a very strange, the strangest of times that I've witnessed in my years, um, it seems that there, people are very quick to criticize. Mm -hmm. and um, also very resistant to receive criticism yeah. uh, because the criticism seems like it's coming through more of a lens of shaming. There's a lot of shaming right now, a lot of blaming a lot of, and shaming. A lot of blaming, a lot of shaming, a lot of uh, a, a, a lack of responsibility um, and taking responsibility for oneself. So just in, in the realm of it being visible in so many both interpersonal relationships that I, of people like of people that I know and I'm close with and of to of complete strangers that I just happen to share geographic location with. Right. And um, so I, you know, it's, it's come up and I thought how fun to just explore this because, you know, for, for our listeners, you know, essentially Danny and I have been doing this conscious, awesome exploration for years, for a little over a decade, maybe like 13 years or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times our, our, I'll have something that percolates, some thought, some uh, question about a word or an approach uh, or something like giving and receiving that's so basic to humanity, but that I, I know that I would be a better, I'm on my path to mastery if I penetrate this, this inquiry. When you if I decide not to, when I penetrate, the mystery penetrated. Okay, well, I, I'm gonna. I'm getting lost in my words a little. <laughs> so, 
to bring it in, I just, uh, and not just, I am curious to utilize the container of our, our minds bouncing off of each other to better understand where, where we are and, and what, what tools am I maybe overlooking or maybe a tool that I'm using that, that would benefit you so that when we share, things can, can progress uh, toward, towards a more peace-centric culture and community. Amen. I had an experience of receiving criticism. Time is so weird. I think it was last week. It was last week. It really didn't go well. Um, And what was interesting was the person who was giving me the criticism is um, another communication expert who authors books on communication. So it was interesting to see the both of us in what erupted in like a volatile, messy communication. And what I noticed about that was, so he came at me in a way that was sloppy um, and it triggered me. And what I noticed is like- When you say sloppy. Okay, so I'll tell you what happened. So um, I had posted something about, you know, uh, it was facts and statistics about the current, pathogen crisis that countered the dominant narrative and it was and I shared them with you know uh, a sort of like ferocious invective that has historically colored some of my communications and he commented um does this type of vicious sarcasm work for you and I felt so attacked and so I, already, I felt like, okay, I'm already on the ledge in sharing tough truths at a time when that's not a practice that's being lauded or, or necessarily going over all that smoothly. And I, so I felt like, okay, I'm super exposed. And here's someone who I know shares my beliefs and my orientation about what's going on right now. And yet he's still attacking me or I was experiencing it as an attack. And I, you know, just kind of, attacked back was like, this isn't, you know, like, I don't really need you criticizing me right now. Um, cause I was feeling raw and overexposed. So a couple things that I noticed from that was like the fact that I got defensive and triggered instantly, regardless of, of how he delivered the criticism showed me, like, I know enough to know like, okay, there's something to look at. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he did it in a way where it was a little bit messy and I wasn't able to receive it that cleanly because I felt attacked. Um, and it was helpful in seeing like, okay, there's something here. I, what I would say the, the biggest issue with the way that he delivered that was making a sort of a seemingly objective assessment of my communication style by saying that it was viciously sarcastic versus owning his own experience and saying, wow, this hits me as viciously sarcastic or the way I'm receiving this feels vicious. Mm-hmm. But because he was making an assessment as though it, it just was viciously, viciously sarcastic, that inspired my defenses and my armor to go up. So I would say in like examining that, that would be where he might've dropped the ball on delivering it. And then it took me like a few days of unraveling all the other pieces to be able to avail myself to what he was trying to share. Were you able to loop back up with in the conversation or, or yeah, it was we, more... I mean, it, it was actually beautiful. And like, this is, 
for all the downsides of social media, I will say that it has allowed me to really um, practice communication and learn. So, yeah, I mean, we both handled it well. My thing was just like, hey, I'm out here on the ledge speaking these tough truths to defend your and my liberties. I don't need you attacking me for the way I'm doing it. I need your help. I need you out here on the front lines with me sharing these truths. And it was like, it, what it showed me was like a larger um, dissatisfaction I'm having with the masculine. I'm feeling like I'm really inviting more masculine voices into this. And because he's an intelligent communicator, he picked up on like, okay, she's having another issue right now and she's actually needing my support. He really got that. Um, and he apologized and he took the note. And then once that settled, I was able to examine my communication and realize like, okay, it might be time to let go of the sarcasm. Like he wasn't, he, cause I know that he wasn't coming at me to attack me and that his intentions were good. And the way that he languaged it made it harder for me to, to get that. And so, so it wasn't effective. It was effective. It may just, it may not have been as efficient as you would have liked to in real time. However, I mean, I, the other, the other, I mean, that's a great takeaway is the sarcasm piece because we, we grew up in analog times where sarcasm was generally intonated. Right. And you could tell someone's sarcasm. I mean, even in written word, it could be, it could be used in book and magazine and newspaper. However, uh, the extent to which sarcasm is used in social media, and we just don't know the tone. We have to assume a lot. There's a big leap. Right. It leaves a lot of room for, for ouchies. Totally. And I think it's interesting as far as like, just your question about it being effective, because I feel like it actually was effective and I'm glad he communicated it that way because I didn't know that I was harboring a frustration with the masculine until that came at me. I didn't know that I was feeling overexposed and unsupported. And so when that came in, that triggered that, I was able to put that out there. That started a different conversation that invited men in. So it's also like you and I were talking earlier today about the Cidic frequency. You know, when we go to the gene keys, which goes from shadow to gift, to city and how the gift is oftentimes in reaction and trying to course correct for the shadow. Those two are in their own quantum entanglement. And then we leap to the city where it knows a larger perfection and lets it all kind of work itself out. So from that perspective, the Cidic perspective, his communication was perfectly effective and was exactly what needed to be communicated. And as is everything that's happening as is everything is happening. Yeah. And it took like, you know, my blood was boiling. I got pissed off. There was, there was some like emotional messiness and, you know, I might've lost some telomere length it, along the path. You know, there's uh, this is just, it, it points me to this reminder in conscious awesome land in this paradigm where we're in, we're in a constant journey of educating and learning and, oftentimes our expectation of who we know ourselves to be or who we want to be as a communicator, as a, as a conscious being, um, as an artist, however, whatever we have our expectations around, the gap between how we live into that 
with my chopstick here. I like twirling around my chopstick here. I like it. Um, the gap of how we live into that uh, versus what our aspirations or expectations are. There's, there's usually juice in there. There's juice for, for the learning curve. And we're never, we're never done. Like, there's no finishing loan. There's just re refining. There's honing in. There's getting better and better at our um, at the skill sets that we're allowing to to come through us. Um, and exactly. just by you putting yourself on the line and being on the, on the front lines as a truth seeker and a truth speaker, uh, you're you're inviting a certain communication education just by virtue of how people are going to give criticism to you. So in the receiving of criticism, do you feel like since that was just a few days, this is like within the last few days? Yes. So do, do you feel like you have a different lens now around how to receive criticism that's coming through the social media venue? Um, different lens around receiving it. I mean, I feel like it's humbling. You know, receiving criticism is super humbling. And I feel like what I feel is more respect for my friend for putting it out, like for caring enough about me to call me in and for staying in it when I didn't take it well, when it didn't land well. And I made that clear. And it, it just builds communication resiliency. So I feel like that... Like I give myself props that even though I was triggered, I was able to take the note and I really am taking the note and like adjusting my communication accordingly. And I feel like a lot of times when criticism isn't delivered in the most compassionate or effective way, people can throw away the criticism. And that's a, that's a, you know, that's not our wisest move because there's value there. And I think it takes a lot of humility and self-compassion to let ourselves be triggered move beyond, okay, maybe it wasn't delivered in the most deft way and to still mine it for the value that is there. And I did that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I did. And I'm, and it feels, you know, it feels rather massive at this stage of, of the game to make that large of an adjustment to my communication style. And it also feels crucial and timely and like, I'm ready to do it. So I really appreciate that he, that he threw that out. Bless the pivot. Bless the pivot. Yeah. <laughs> Bless the pivot. Theme of the day, the pivot. Yeah. Um, and I feel the like, calm pivot. I feel like you're a master of giving criticism. Like you have a way of where it comes in sideways or like these questions or suggestions or inquiries. And I feel like when I receive criticism from you, um, it's very easy to receive. Like I'm curious to know if that's, is that a skill that you've been consciously working on is that something you've developed has it always been easy for you to deliver criticism in a way that people can take it i i don't even really find that it's easy now to, <laughs> to give because i mean because of the program around wanting people to like me and i i don't even know that i'm a people pleaser these days at least that i, I used to be more so uh but i still want i still want a positive outcome I have a bias to that. I do have a subtle agenda that I'm going to share something with you that's an insight and I really want you to receive it. Um, I think part of this, the learning of the skill set, which I, I have been working on for, for years and years, 
um, still fall fa- like on my face. Totally do sometimes. And a lot of times that's because the person was not ready to receive that. And I was trying to force, mm-hmm. uh, it's a kind of shadow masculine style of like, no, no, you really need to hear this right, right now. I don't have patience for you to take time with your evolution. Right. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and, you know, some people just will, will seemingly never, at least in this arc incarnation, uh, be ready to receive certain things. But the thing that I th- has been a great ally in refining my, my criticism, my sharing of criticism, has been tweaking that adjustment or tweaking that um, expectation that the person is going to get it the first time I say it mm-hmm. or the first way I say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a journey too. I don't, I often don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I open my mouth. I, I mean, I have a, I have filters, but I'm not having a intellectually active um, filter on what I'm saying. If it's going to come out, it's coming out. Right. So uh, it may not hit r- the first time. But it, it may hit on the second time better for me too. I mean, I there's a receiving in the giving. There's a receiving in that. So um, thank you for those for that pat on the back for um, the honing of my giving criticism. I think I learned early on, uh, maybe through sales, because uh, there's all these mind tricks that you learn that that I learned when I was uh, well in school. In school, there were ways that I could learn that I could bend rules without breaking them mm-hmm. with language. That was helpful. And then um, through early on in my, in my uh, careers uh, with, with doing sales, there, there's a way to give criticism to someone that you're training uh, where you want to pat it, you want to like give a compliment and then make the criticism and then end it with, a, a com- with another compliment. Right. And that's a, it's a little prescriptive to me. I can see right, right through it when it's happening. If someone's trying to do that to me where they're like oftentimes trying to rush through the compliment and the praise so that they could get to the meat of the issue and then like just throw on a little something extra right. afterwards. Um, and you know, that's sometimes if I'm really on my game, I can, I can flip the table and give criticism to the way that the person is giving criticism and say, listen, actually, I actually, I do this with, uh, with Zoe, with my wife. Sometimes when she's giving me criticism, I'm like, listen, I think that there's a better way that you could learn how to get me to do things. I want you to learn how to do that. There's a, there are things that you can say that will inspire me to make the change that you want me to. There are things that you can say, and you should learn how to, how to do that because I'm your husband and we're probably going to be in this for a really long time. And it would probably behoove you and me to be really, not, not even clever, but really penetrating with that type of, of criticism. Yeah. Like know that I'm someone who operates, I'm going to respond better with a carrot than a stick. Like if, if there's a, you're doing this wrong, no matter who it's coming from, I'm already like, whoa, you know, it, it like puts up a little bit of a, of a barrier Completely. as opposed to, hey, you know, I, I, I'm seeing you do this thing. I love that you're doing this thing. What do you think about this? Or have you thought about also including this? Or well, when, when I think about that, this is what comes up for me, which is totally them owning their 
experience and then me being inspired to bring it on because the a lot of the traits a lot of the skill sets that i've held on to are me witnessing people do something awesome Mm -hmm. and saying i want to incorporate that into the way that i communicate totally (laughs) we had a little glitch there we're back now we're back post glitch. So what I was getting from what you were saying, Justin, the, the two like technical mm-hmm. pieces are, um, it's helpful when delivering criticism to present our criticism in the form of a question and to also take responsibility for our experience of the other person. So when you were talking about how you're engaging Zoe, like when you're saying, I, I respond well, to carrots or sticks or whatever it was that you said, you're not shaming her and saying that she's inherently wrong. You're saying, here's what I respond to. So I think there's something that's really helpful when we're inviting a behavioral change to owning our experience. And then in phrasing, framing it as a question, like, have you considered, you know, doing it this way or what would it be like to do it this way? I feel like those are two techniques that I find to be really helpful when delivering criticism and that work well with me when I'm on the receiving end. There's a, there's a gentle path. There's a gentle path. And generally the guards are less attentive with that kind of woo way that like no action action where it's, it's not about a dichotomy. It's not about I'm right. You're wrong. It's not about who's going to win in a power struggle. It's a reminder that we're in this together. Yeah. By you up in your game, that automatically holds me to a higher standard that pulls me up, that that kind of weaves us together in a deeper and more vulnerable relationship as well. So, you know, I I I view I view communication as an opportunity to be more intimate and to be more vulnerable and to be more real with people. And I'm I'm I like to hold space for that to happen. Um and and yes, I, th- there's something about the asking permission to give and then gently delivering the criticism without the agenda, whether or not the person picks it up the first time or maybe it takes several times or days or who knows what. Or years. Um, <laughs> or years, lifetimes, et cetera. Um, but in, in every case the way that we're coming, the intention behind the words that we're having really goes a long way. It goes a long, long way. And also knowing the intention of the person who we're criticizing, you know, or really inquiring about that. Because if, if my intention is to um, create the most unique chocolate bar ever that has ever existed, and somebody tries the chocolate bar and it's foreign to them and it doesn't taste like chocolate and their criticism is like, well, it just doesn't taste like chocolate, but it's coming from this place of like, you should change the way that you're doing, (laughs) that you should make it taste more like chocolate. But if my intention is to laugh in the face of the narrow bandwidth through which chocolate can be tasting, then we're we're gonna be in different length. It's a different conversation. So to understand the intention that you're coming through with as the criticizer, and also to understand the intention of the person who you're about to criticize or to, to offer criticism to. That's a really 
really good point. And I feel like it, like from there I'm getting, it's important to ask, like in the same way that we ask for definitions to start getting into the practice of asking what someone's intention, because maybe their approach is perfectly aligned if their intention is something different than what I'm projecting onto them. Yeah, it just keeps it clean. And, and, not, and not with excess of, you don't have to expend energy explaining some concept that has no relevance to the person. Right. Well, and it's also helpful because again, going back to like criticism being generous and wanting to help, like, I think it's helpful, you know, going back to the, the criticism I received, it's like, well, what is my intention in posting on Facebook? And if, if it's to like affect change, then it's helpful for me to know that my, the way that I'm doing it is putting people off so that they're not able to deliver my message. But if my point of posting is just to like get likes or get dopamine, then it's not going to be as appropriate. So I think it's also, it's like you said, moving into deeper intimacy and deeper vulnerability by asking the person, okay, what is your intention? What are you trying to accomplish here? And and inviting them into that exploration for themselves, not just for me to know if I'm out of line and offering my two cents. Yeah, more more clarity, more invitation into clarity. Yeah. Sometimes things just resolve themselves. In fact, I would argue that given enough time, everything resolves itself. Do you have to argue that or can you simply purport that? I stand, I stamp this. Thank you. <laughs> I would purport. I opine. I still really love that word. I opine that all things resolve themselves given the appropriate amount of time, whatever is appropriate to that particular dynamic. I, I agree. And I think when there's like a willingness and like a devotion to growth, then that timing can be accelerated. Yes, to that. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I just, you know, something that, uh, that I think would be valuable to this conversation of giving and receiving criticism is the, uh, the art of being crazy. And I think we could, we could probably have a whole nother episode on this. And this was actually one of the vows that you got to witness at my wedding. I did. Um, uh, that Zoe and I vowed to be crazy about each other. And the, the dynamic of that or the explanation of what being crazy is is when we, wherever we put energy, wherever we put our focus and attention, that is what is going to grow. That's what's going to get the juju, the juice, the energy, be it invisible or be it through actual gestures, gestures, and gestures sometimes too. Uh, being crazy about something gives energy to something that we want to see. So for example, um, if I like something that Zoe is doing, um, or actually let's do it this way. If Zoe likes, let's say I'm walking by her and I just squeeze her foot, mm -hmm. you know, in like a nice loving way. I just give her a little squeeze. If she praises me for that, I'm more likely to do it again. Right. I may even just drop whatever I was doing and just, just four or five minutes of just feet squeezes yeah. that go a long way. But it, it was the praise that she did that instigated my response. Right. And in the same way, uh, that's also a type of criticism, but it's like the flip side of it, where the, you know, if the intention behind the criticism is to change a behavior or upgrade a behavior, there, there's all these tools in order to do that. Um, so to praise something that someone is doing well, 
while talking about something that you want to see them do better, there, there, there is like a full yes, yesology kind of, there's a packet of information. There. Well, it's a more integrated means of offering feedback. So what I'm hearing is like, it's feedback, whether it's like positive or negative. And I don't even feel like criticism needs to be negative, but just like in a kindergarten way, it's feedback. And I feel like um, in our culture, like, people are more comfortable giving negative feedback or tearing things down versus giving compliments or being crazy. And I feel like, like aside from the fact that being crazy is just awesome and to give people props and build them up so that they feel good, but it also establishes like a really safe, well-rounded architecture for your relationship. So given that you and Zoe are crazy, and I mean, you're crazy, I'm crazy, and like that we're crazy people. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like, to share it with your nearest and dearest, and remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.